All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 32nd year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call at our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a complimentary portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 1,014 points, or 3.3%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 127 points, or 3.3%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 472 points, or 3.5%. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 2%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is down 1.1%, and the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 1.4%. So having a late January, you know, small corrective move. I know on the last uh, several weeks of this week of, of the MoneyWise program, we've talked about how the markets just across the board are really long overdue for kind of the pause that refreshes and having a pullback and some profit taking and a corrective move. And with this past week, Dow being down 3.3%, S&P down 3.3% and the NASDAQ down 3.5%. I would say to any of our home gamers, if you have cash on the sidelines, as you're seeing these pullbacks, these are definitely going to be buying opportunities. And I'm not talking about costs or GameStop or AMC. I'm not, those are not buying opportunities. I didn't know that this show suddenly became a show for the home gamers. I just We have to adapt, Jeff. I think I, t- I think I took that from no. the fast money guys. Yes. From CNBC. Yes. We will. We will. Yeah. Th- this show's all, always about long-term investing it's right it it, but but there's been so much news in the week just passed about uh the trading crowd and this isn't the the first time we've talked about short-term trading in the history of this show we've been doing this since 2005 uh so we're at 16 years will be here this year and this isn't the first time that we've seen a particular stock or a small group get, of get stocks ma- get man- manipulated in the, in such a way that they have been manipulated. These, this set of stocks that, that were manipulated this week. 
maybe it's different in the sense that it's it's being done on uh, these new trading platforms, which the media has anointed. This is the media, not us. Um, though some would say we are the media or we're part of the media. I disagree, but but maybe the right, you know, maybe the, 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 the Robin media. Hoods and these other online trading applications that uh that that appear this is just the media speculation that it's mostly mostly populated by folks that have little to no investing experience and that tend to be say under the age of 25 i don't know um i have no idea how who's actually pulling the strings at some of these organizations uh, these online trading apps um we've been harping about uh you know, pro it was at first it was program trading uh that was the back in the 1990s you know, long before there was really a, an internet like we have today and then it became high frequency trading and then we had the you know the servers being located closer to the exchanges so that the big boys the the folks running the billions of dollars and they had all these IT people and could afford the equipment where they could get microseconds of uh, of uh, speed advantage advantage yeah. over other investors to try to capture those fractions of a cent, and as Dad described it uh, on a phone conversation earlier this week, he said it's like the revenge of the nerds. <laughs> and and and, I, and and believe me, don't don't send me any hate mail. I'm not calling you know the, the folks that are on these. Uh, on these trading platforms, nerds by any stretch of the imagination, but they seem to have taken it to some of the big uh, Wall Street established hedge funds and other organizations, taking them to the cleaners on a few of these stocks this week. Yes, Scott? I was going to say, if you read any of this Wall Street Bets blog, it almost seems like it's the Antifa of stock trading. They are straight vigilantes. They're looking to stick it to the man, stick it to the wealthy hedge fund billionaire, the establishment, the elites. That's who they're going after. I mean, you can see it very easily in the language, the very colorful language they use. We can't but use also, them here, too, by no, the way. A, yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely goes into Kyle, the seven Kyle's deadlies. never used any of those words either. No, it goes into the seven deadlies you can't say on radio or on television. <laughs> But, but it, it really goes to show that it's, there's this anger, there's this animosity of the smaller investor that is now pulling their resources together and utilizing technology and the speed of technology in this blog to manipulate these stocks and to basically put the hedge funds, the hedge fund managers that have been taking a lot of short bets, put, kind of putting them over the barrel and taking advantage of it. And I mean, they're gloating about it all over the place. And it, it's really almost like Occupy. Remember Occupy Wall Street years ago after the financial crisis, all these people wanting regulations and equality when it comes to investing and they were occupying you know, Occupy Wall Street. This is basically the modern version of Occupy Wall Street, but they're actually in the business of making a significant amount of profit through their manipulation they're using stocks. Real, they're using real money. Money. That's right. I mean, and, they, yes. and they're hurting, and they are hurting firms. I mean, we know that there was a hedge fund, Martin, that 
had to get an emergency $3 billion line of credit because their short bet got pounded so hard that it completely wiped the firm out. Now, that just and, – and I want to get too much into the technicals, and I know we're coming up to our first commercial break – but investors need to understand when you are shorting a stock, you have unlimited downside risk. And the Martin hedge fund is the poster child of this now because one short bet they made wiped their entire firm out where they had to get a $3 billion rescue package from two other hedge funds that fed them those funds to stay solvent. So let's continue this conversation. We come back from commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a complimentary portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162. And if you like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's MoneyWise program, just recapping the happenings on Wall Street this past week, and obviously what was been in the news all this past week was all of the trading that has been taking place and just a handful of stocks that had very high short interest. Now, I can tell you that GameStop is the at the very top of the headlines as far as the stocks are concerned. And this GameStop trading actually began going back the last quarter of last year. So, I mean, they've been doing this for a while, but it this past week in particular is when it's really been starting to get some press, and so we wanted to talk about that. But before we go any further, just to give a quick education to our listeners, just the basics of what short selling is, what, when you want to short sell a stock, you're actually borrowing shares of a particular stock. So say you want to short Apple. Well, you go to a brokerage firm or someone who's holding shares that will lend them out. So they're going to lend you, let's say, 100 shares of Apple. You take those shares of Apple and you sell them, let's say, for $150. So you take that $150 profit. Now, what you're hoping and what you're betting on is that the price of Apple is going to fall. So let's say Apple goes from $150 down to $50. Well, to cover your short, you have to buy that stock back because you have to return it to the firm you borrowed those 100 shares from. But when you buy that stock back, you only had to buy it back for $50, but you sold it at 150 or you, you bought it at 150 excuse me, you sold it at 150 and you bought it back at 50 So you made $100 profit. That's what short selling is. Okay. And the reason why you can have unlimited downside risk on short selling is because let's say you sold the Apple stock at $150, but then the stock goes to 200 then it goes to 250 then it goes to 300 and it keeps going up. The further up it goes, the further your losses go from zero to into the negatives, where you actually owe beyond what your original investment was. That's why there's unlimited downside risk. So that's what's been happening with these hedge funds. That's what the Wall Street, what's the blog name again? The Wall Street. Um, Wall Street Bets. 
Wall Street bets, yeah. So that's what the Wall Street bets blog is. But it's trying it's, to do. it's on the Reddit platform. I it's think. on the Reddit, yes. It's on the Reddit platform. The blog's called Wall Street Bets. But that's what these bloggers are trying to do. Is they're trying? They've been looking and scouring. They're, they've been they've been searching for stocks. Yes, Jeff. Okay, let's go way, way, way back. Let's go back to the beginning of where this truly has its roots, because in the in the old days, when we first started Davidson Capital Management, there was no internet. Uh, all there was was the Wall Street Journal and one little old nascent financial news channel called FNN, which later became CNBC. And as we got into the dot-com era, there were some very smart hedge fund managers that knew how they could use their talking about their book and getting themselves on to CNBC to promote either a short position they were in, meaning betting that a stock was going to go down or betting that a stock was, was going to go up in a long position. And so they would use their media contacts to either get quoted or get interviewed. And one of the pioneers of this and one that wrote about it in his book was Jim Cramer and has bragged about it in interviews and he, and he, he he's bragged about it periodically how he used to he would use his contacts in the media to promote his position and positions in his hedge fund other people would pick up on that they'd either buy they'd either piggyback him by buying longs or selling the shorts he was he was in and he would make profits off of that and it's and it's perfectly legal what he was doing was legal. Well, then, the, as the internet came into being in the you know, later 1990s and into this century, and more and more people had access to, you know, we call them blogs today. They used to be called bulletin board services way, way, way back in the day. <laughs> You're aging yourself. When you yeah. had when you had dial-up services. Way back. Um, and they all this information would would be able to be disseminated to a wider and wider and wider audience now there's also rules that we as registered investment advisors and hedge funds have to follow um, in filing certain disclosure documents each quarter telling the whole world what we hold in our client portfolios and there are organizations and, and there's businesses that are developed around mining this information and disseminating it to day traders uh, to take it, you know, to put on positions that other hedge funds or other investing organizations might have on their books. There's also been periodically we'll have battles of the billionaire titans, you know, Herbalife, what, four or five years ago, there was a Bill big battle and between, Carl Icahn. between, between Bill a hedge Ackerman. fund manager and a investor activist uh, oh, battling it out. You know, they had two divergent views on a particular stock, and it was the stock story du jour for a number of weeks, if not months, until finally Ackerman threw in the towel, and Icon won. Not, uh, to, not, not to mention an epic argument on oh, live yeah. television. It was exactly. highly entertaining. Highly right. entertaining between L- two Listeners, you can Google that. You can go and Google that and, and watch. Well, you go, yeah, go to YouTube. Bill Ackerman versus Carl Icahn on yeah. CNBC. It's amazing. I, this is, I remember last year, 
Hertz, Relaxate, which was a bank. No. I think they were in bankruptcy. Remember Hertz, yes. the rental car company? Yes. All of a sudden, the stock went from pennies to like $5 in a day. I mean, what happened there? I mean, just people trading. Uh, and so why are we, you know, why are we discussing all this? Well, the reason we're discussing this again is because every time something like this happens, when you have movements in stocks that make no sense in, in, in when, when looking at the fundamentals of the company, it makes no sense whatsoever that GameStop or AMC or any of these other – Bed Bath Beyond, Bed, Bath, Beyond Wild Berry. Stock, there's no fundamental reason for these stocks to have done the things that they did in the last few weeks. Nothing. And I think GameStop, like you said, has been going on for months. For months, yes. Uh, there's none. Zero zilch, not a fundamental reason. But it, isn't it interesting how – this group of folks has been able to bring a few hedge funds to its knees. And I must say a hedge fund that put this kind of bet on, you know, what are you thinking? Th- what are they thinking? What are you thinking? Well, they're not, they're, it's a maximized profit organization. But, but, but see, but, but that's what I'm saying, Jeff, cause, cause you're right. I, I was having the same conversation with dad. You know, what was this, what was Martin the hedge fund that went basically went belly up and had to get a $3 billion lifeline from two other hedge funds they were friends with to stay, keep their doors open. How big was that bet? Where were your other diversified positions? I know hedge funds are all about swinging for the fences, but this is what I was saying earlier, how shorting a stock can be so incredibly dangerous. 140%. We don't, well, yeah. Unlimited downside risk. How did, how did the, the regulators allow the short interest in the stock to exceed a hundred percent. Where where were the rules? You know where, because where what rules allowed. are in what rules are? Yeah, there are no rules in place for this. So what, the 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 thing every time this happens, it always brings out the the oh my goodness, I told you so. Wall Street is nothing but a casino. Every time something like this happens. It's just a casino. And that's not it's true. true. Yeah, and it's not true. It needs and, more and, regulations, more regulations, more regulations. That's what how, – how, Jeff, how, how many years have we been talking on this program about the uptick rule? How many years? Probably since it went away in, what, 06? <laughs> was it 06? Yeah, it was before the financial crisis. Yeah. So we've been talking about the uptick rule, which would, which would basically curb a, a large swath of this volatility. It's particularly volatility we've seen this week, volatility that we saw during the financial crisis. They they took away the uptick rule and yeah, they made it back. I don't know. I don't know if the uptick rule was really what was happening. These these folks were buying the stock and squeezing out the short players. Now I guess there could have been others deciding to take another short position uh, in the same thing. But the, 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 the what we have to all remember, ladies and gentlemen, is that we as registered investment advisors don't invest in this type of situation. Never have, never will. Absolutely not. Does it have repercussions very short term in the marketplace? It sometimes does. And the timing of this particular issue, because there's been this, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly heightened awareness in the levels that the markets are currently selling at. Right. Every how many folks are coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, this is this is just another sign that we're at the top 
and the sky is going to be falling, and it's fifty percent down from here. And they say, rational exuberance. Look, look, look what happened to GameStop and Bed mm-hmm. Bath and Beyond and, and AMC and these other stocks. This, you know, that's that <clears throat> that right there is just it is a it is pointing to the fact that we are at an all time high. I mean, that's what they're all saying. This of course, I think this is nothing like the late twentieth century height of the market and the, you know, the dot-com era. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not, but, but they will use that, you know, for any reason to, to promote, to promote the, their position that the markets are at an all time high. Well, let's take another commercial break. You listen to money wise with Davidson capital management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a complimentary portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1 800 275 2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing to talk about, I I don't even know how we would describe, I mean, these stocks. I mean, yeah, I don't want to call them the hot stocks, but basically what has been in the financial entertainment press this past week in particular, and that's the the cost stock, the Bed Bath Beyond, BlackBerry, AMC, GameStop, basically the Wall Street Bets blog on Reddit and what these smaller investors are doing when they pull their resources together and the kind of the disruption, I would say really the disruption to trading platforms like Robinhood. There was disruptions on Schwab's trading platform, TD Ameritrade's trading platform, just in these stocks, mind you, not, yeah. not, not just in these stocks. There, there was, they're basically putting a governor, you know, like a go-kart, you have a little governor these stocks were getting a were, were getting a governor attached to them. In fact, on Friday on the Robinhood platform, buyers were only allowed to buy one share of each one of these hot stocks. One share. That was it. Now, if you wanted to sell, you could sell all your positions if you wanted to. It's just the buying. And so I think what you were going, you know, Jeff, you were talking about kind of the fundamentals in these different stocks. You know, and Joe, you brought up a point when we were just talking off air that we had a we had a great earnings week this past week, and it was completely overshadowed by what happened in these these hot trading stocks. Like, for instance, Apple had a hundred and eleven billion dollar quarter. Huge. Huge. Microsoft. Crickets. Crickets. I mean, Apple was down over 7% this past week, and they blew their number out like a nuclear weapon, got zero press. Well, because Microsoft. Well, because investors saying right now it's priced in. So that, so okay, that, that, have, that's, but, but they're all, I mean, we haven't said, we haven't even said the word COVID this week. Here we are. Right. We're in our third segment of this weekend's Money Wise program. We haven't said a thing about the virus. Um, the news well, because th- there was some news on Friday about Johnson and Johnson's uh, version of, of single the, dose. the single dose vaccine that, that the numbers weren't as as spectacular as as say maybe the Moderna or the uh, now now I can't uh, Pfizer, Pfizer va- but, vaccines but the the biggest problem still is and and, and this is the 
this is the, the putting a man on a moon problem is, is how we can accelerate getting the virus into the arms. The uh, vaccine, the vaccine. This, in the week just passed, <laughs> the virus. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry, pardon me, the vaccine. <laughs> the, the, we don't want the virus I'm in the arm. so fast as that. We 30 emails. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> anyway, how long did our, did, our, did our mom have to stay, you know, stay in line uh, this weekend to get, or this week to get her first shot? You know, dad got his a few weeks ago. I think in total between the two of them, they've spent uh, in excess of, what? 18 hours, I believe. 18 hours in line to get to get two vaccine shots. Uh, but but before I, you know, I just wanted to go back, and the reason why we are talking, you know, just to switch gears a bit. I know from the COVID, but the reason why we're talking. My thought, but okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll finish, we'll finish you know, your thought. So, so yeah, this this thing about the, what's going on with these stocks is, is more of a sideshow. I mean, the the path of the virus, the, the path of getting vaccines and getting this economy back in back up to full steam is what's going to be driving stocks you know week after week yeah this whole thing was a little bit of a sideshow yeah it probably gave some of the folks that have have, have been a little nervous about owning stocks say yeah look look here it is again you know it's a casino i probably shouldn't be owning stocks i'll go in and sell my portfolio no wrong thing to do uh, but I think it's more about you know, the news this week from a vaccine point of view. Just, just it wasn't it, it wasn't that rosy. And I think as you as you said at the beginning of the show, Kyle, the markets have been primed for a little bit of a pullback. You know, we've had we've been, three, we've been talking three about straight it. months. Three straight months. The oct the, the Nasdaq has been higher. We yeah. haven't had a negative month since October. This is the first negative month for the for the Dow and the S and P since October. But it's only 1%. I mean, it's 1% for the S&P, 2% for the Dow. Not a big deal. Not unusual. No, and, and, and we've been talking, again, we've been talking about it on the program for, for weeks and weeks. And I've been, when I'm having conversation with clients that we'll be looking for uh, some profit-taking and a pullback just because of the, the nice run-up we've had since going back to October, like you said, Jeff. But we also know that there's almost $5 trillion of cash sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. And so when we see these pullbacks, it's going to be buying opportunities. And I know for us, we're sitting in a, at a lighter allocation to stocks than where we began the year because we're just under a 60% allocation and a moderate allocation to stocks as we've been building our dividend sleeve in our larger asset accounts and in our asset builder accounts. Uh, we've been building that dividend aspect, higher income, slower growth stocks that would provide that. But the other reason why we're talking about these hot stocks and what's been in the news, you know, the game stops of the world, is to, to warn our listeners to be very, very careful. What is going on is stock manipulation. And what the brokerage firms, whether it's TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab or Robinhood, has shown individual investors is that if they want to put the brakes or pump the brakes on a particular stock, they can do it. And they will do it. And they did it this past week. This is where, as an investor, you have to be disciplined. You cannot, the FOMO, I mean, this is the classic FOMO, fear of missing out. That entire Wall Street Bets blog is all about fear of missing out and driving this stocks higher and sticking it to the elites, sticking it to the Wall Street professionals. And I assure you, 
There are Wall Street professionals in that Wall Street bets that are manipulating and, and talking up their book, but posing as some you know stoner that's hanging out in their mom's basement. I guarantee you. Well, it, I guarantee well, you. One of the points also is there are a lot of young, millennials and younger generation, and all they have to do, there's nothing for them to do if they're in college or whatever, but stay at home, stay in their dorms, stay in their apartments because they can't get out and do anything, and they're doing research, and this is a new hobby for a lot of them. In one way, it's positive because they're learning about the market, but you know, and getting involved and getting that's, involved. That's, that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's just like the late 20th century folks where they were the, 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 the beginnings of the internet. I remember there were businesses. I remember this happening in Dallas. They, they, they would have like a whole floor of, of computers and they would rent out these spaces for people to come in and day trade because they had all the infrastructure you needed to do to that. Do it. Now you can do it on your phone, phone. sitting in a chair at home. So this is this is nothing new. It it waxes and wanes. It goes up and down. It gets a lot of attention. Then it gets no attention once people lose their shirts. And it has nothing to do with long term disciplined investing, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, and have for the last fifteen plus years here on the Money Wise program. You can't get distracted by this noise because this is noise. Getting rich quick is not a long-term success, a long-term successful philosophy in managing your portfolio and building a nest egg. It's just not. And it does point out where the regulators should take notice. Absolutely. And the, and, the, and we're not here to, uh, to make suggestions other than maybe they should bring back the uptick rule. That'd be a good start. You know, more than 10 years ago, I went on the radio show when we used to do it live. And I, when we were complaining about a, a week that particularly must, must have been particularly volatile and we were, and we were throwing it at the feet of the high frequency traders. And I just threw out this wild idea as we go back to the regulated commission rates that we had in, in the, in the mid 1970s before they deregulated. Uh, commissions and created the whole the beginnings of the discount brokerage industry, which has now morphed into an industry where there is no where it costs nothing to trade an unlimited amount of shares. Great for the consumer, great for the investors, great for us. I mean, we're able to make more money for our clients because our transaction cost is zero. Uh, but it also has. The, the, the side effect of creating unintended consequences. There's unintended consequences. So, you know, I'm one. You know, is there going to be a transaction tax put on, you know, uh, uh, idea put out there for folks that are you know holding stocks for extreme, you know, very very short periods of time? Will they will they put more of a premium mm. on longer term investing? And I am all for that. And that's a great and, and and for the Biden administration, they need to find tax money somewhere. They can't just get it all from from the taxpayers. Here's another area where if they do have a very short term transaction tax, this would definitely curb a lot of the high frequency trading that upsets us. Maybe. Maybe maybe. maybe. But it, it will be it'll be gearing the market more towards the longer term investor, which is what we are at Davidson Capital Management. Yeah, it, it, when I was driving down the Corpus last week, there are Republicans that do think that could be a good idea as well. So this is this might have oh, it has bipartisan support. I yeah, mean, when, so when don't Ted, be alarmed when, if, it, if it happens. When so. Ted when Ted Cruz 
and AOC are agreeing about slapping some regulations to not allow these, like these stock manipulation that's been taking place in these handfuls of stocks. When those two people are agreeing with each other, when AOC was accusing Ted Cruz of trying to murder her just three weeks prior, this is where we should be concerned oh. that, that, that regulators, it's finally gotten onto their radar. Maxine Waters, which trust me, I'm not a fan of hers by any stretch of the imagination, but she named GameStop in particular in a statement at the head of the Financial Services Committee that we need to launch an investigation. So maybe the, I'd say the positive that could be coming out of this is actual change. Let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a complimentary portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So I just wanted to wrap up uh, talking about, again, all this crazy day trading, uh, the, the fast money that's been made in some of these handfuls of stocks has been all over the news, whether it's GameStop or Cost or AMC. As we were talking or, or in earlier segments, I mean, there is an unintended consequence, but I think some of these unintended consequences can really shed some light on the things that need to be fixed from a regulatory standpoint, like we were saying bringing back the uptick rule would be a good start. Putting some type of transaction or a transaction tax for very short-term trading, which would definitely possibly help curb some of the high-frequency trading, which just adds a lot more volatility. But I, I would say the reason why we're wanting to talk about this to all of our listeners is to not allow your greed gland to overtake you and have this fear of missing out to suck you in to making a very bad decision to trying to chase this performance. Well, I think the other thing, maybe on the opposite side, is to not use events like this that may continue for the next few weeks uh, to shake your confidence that, that, con- that, that investing for the long term is, is, is gambling, because it's not. Uh, when all, the, these types of events have happened. We've just demonstrated all these different examples over the last quarter century where folks have used various methods to promote their position in order to promote their position and make more money for their clients. What's, what's a little different about this particular situation is some folks have decided to go after those that have been promoting their short positions in the hopes of maybe others would get would get on the bandwagon and short their short the same stocks they were and did the exact opposite. Um, and one of the organizations that was you know famous for coming out and making various short calls uh, announced they were going to stop announcing uh, their their calls to the general public, which is Citron. Very, was it Citron? Very interesting. Or, or Citadel? I'm trying I mean, to remember the positions. names. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it was a research. It was a research yeah. firm that's been putting out short positions okay. by the stock for twenty years. They announced on Friday, no more. They're not putting out the information anymore. 
what's what also could occur and and just to get not to get too deep in the weeds but as a regulated organization a registered investment advisor such as we are there are sec rules that we have to disclose our holdings uh each, the end of each quarter <clears throat> via a a 13f file it's what they call them in the in the industry all organizations that have at least $100 million in equities under management, stocks under management, have to have to disclose to the public, it's all publicly available information, uh, exactly what our holdings are, the number of shares, the dollar amounts. Uh, so that anyone can see what we were holding as of the end of December the 31st of last year when we filed this form, as do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other organizations. The SEC wants to up the threshold from a hundred million to three billion with a B dollars. Very interesting whether they will continue on that same path or if they will maybe want to have more disclosure of whole of the holdings that uh, firms hold. Because I, there may be some organizations out there that want to keep it secret. Well, I, I, I just have to say to, to allow a, a, comp, a stock like Cos. In the last five trading days, move eighteen hundred and sixteen percent. That that's that's absolute manipulation and insanity. Now, I cannot stress this more: the fear of missing out, the greed gland. We're telling every one of our listeners: do not to get sucked in to this momentum. Do not get sucked into this trap because we have learned very quickly these brokerage firms can put a clamp down where you're allowed to buy one share or you can't sell or you can't buy. They can put a stop to it. And I think at the end, hopefully, I'm hopeful, and I know hope can be a bad four-letter word when it comes to investing on Wall Street, but I'm hoping that this does shed light to the regulators and to the government and to the Biden administration that they need to wake up and they need to do some things that do provide more incentives for the longer term investor. Well, it's not because to, not to defend Biden, Kyle. It's not his problem. This has been going true. on for several different administrations. Absolutely. Trump did, Trump's administration did nothing about it. Obama's administration didn't do anything about it. We've been complaining about this for it goes back a, to long, Clinton. a long time. It really goes back yeah. to Clinton. It goes back to when they repealed Glass-Steagall. When they repealed Glass-Steagall under the Clinton administration back in the 90s, that's, I think, where this whole ball started rolling, personally. <clears throat> and so as long-term investors, you've got to filter this out. What, right. what, it, what, it, what it has, the implications short-term are organizations that may have been holding some of these stocks short – that are getting themselves into distress, having to cover their positions, may be forced to sell things that they wouldn't otherwise want to sell, things that are, you know, like Apple or other, co- other companies that are solid Microsoft. organizations, mm-hmm. and it will ha- have the effect of creating some short-term volatility in the, in, in, in the markets, which is just, that's just par for the course. That's just and, the way and, the market and, and, and Jeff, I wonder if these bloggers on the Wall Street bets even thinks about again those unattended consequences it, of the of their actions of forcing other large money managers no. to have to start liquidating equity sure positions in solid fundamental companies. I'm sure they've taken notice, and, and those organizations have have made adjustments to their portfolio. 
Well, this too shall pass, and maybe we'll start talking about fundamentals again. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that day. Maybe the third quarter this year, we weren't not talking about the Capitol and riots, or we're not talking about there were some also some stop. There were some good economic numbers this week, but next week, you know, the 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 bigger economic number that we're all going to be focusing on is is Friday's you know uh, February unemployment number unemployment number. How, what's happening with that number? Is it is it coming down? Now, this will be the first unemployment number under the Biden administration. That's right, and we'll first see. We'll, we'll see if he'll be able to accept the results, or if it's just going to be like you know, Trump. Trump. Trump didn't get credit for what he did for the economy. It was all Obama. And then if something's bad in the economy or employment, it's all Trump's fault. Biden's not going to accept that, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of the hour, so we're going <clears> to <throat> close out the show for our listeners on 1200 WOAI. We'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. If you'd like to catch the second hour of this weekend's show, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com and click on the radio show link where you can listen to the second hour plus past Money Wise programs we have recorded. And for our listeners on 1360 KKTX and Corpus Christi, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and going into investor education. So stay tuned and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with David. Happy birthday, Mom. Capital Manager. Yes, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Ms. Davidson. <laughs> You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the money wise program you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com if you missed the first hour of money wise you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past money wise programs you can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, it's about time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your politeness. Well, as we as we like to use and utilize uh, the second hour of every weekend's Money Wise program, really going into investor education and just, again, the continuing education that all investors need to be paying attention to because with the multitude of investment choices, the multitude of sales outlets, I should say, uh, to be buying different financial products, um, we feel it's our duty having a voice and having this radio show to, to continue to provide that, that education. And there was an article 
that we've had for some time. We've talked about it on past shows, but it's always good to to reiterate. And it's a conversation I know that I have with prospective clients when it comes to investing. Um, and the the title of the article is the best investment advice ever. <laughs> now, there's so much different advice out there, different guidance, different forms and levels of education out there. Um, you know, looking at this article, there's a very old saying that I know we have used from day one, and of course, with us, uh, you know, being in this, having Davidson Capital Management for more than 25 years, and and again, this radio show going on now in our 10th year. Um, looking at at rule number one for the best investment advice ever, and that first rule is never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one, and I believe that uh, that was one of Warren Buffett's. Famous advice, and of course Warren Buffett being one of the richest men in the world, um, I think uh, it's good. It's good words to live by. And and when I sit down with prospective clients, the one the one area again of education I like to focus on is teaching a prospective client that it's not as much how well you do on the upside when the market is going up; it's how shallow you keep your hole on the downside it's it's whoever plays the best defense is what's really going to build long-term wealth and longevity of a portfolio rule this rule number 1 don't you think it's kind of unrealistic to say never lose money well and 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 again investors need to keep in mind there's a difference between realized losses and unrealized losses or paper losses uh, maybe rule number 1 should should read more like never put all your eggs in one basket never but put, but define never, that okay. define that a little okay. bit more okay, eggs in one basket never put 100% of your money in one asset class how's that Okay. Never put 100% of your money in stocks. Give us an asset class. Like, are Never. you talking sector specific, like no. all in real estate investment trusts or all in the material sector or all in technology? I think I think really the rule number one to me, and it kind of goes along the same lines as what you're talking about with keeping the hole shallow, is there's no, no such thing as never lose money. I mean, every investment – we have never had an investment decision that we've made – in the 25 years as Davidson Capital Management, every investment decision that we've made has not always made money. Some of those investment decisions have lost money. There isn't a single person on the planet that's made an investment decision that hasn't lost money at one time or the other. The the really successful people in investing never lose a lot of money. Now, keeping a that lot whole of money, shallow. keeping the whole shallow, as you were saying, and 2008 is is a great example of keeping the hole the, the hole as shallow as possible because we were never 100 percent invested in stocks that year, and we were also reducing stocks as that year went on, and so we 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 didn't suffer the 35 our clients' portfolios didn't suffer the 35 40. 50% losses that the investors that we saw come to us in 2009 and 2010, and we asked them, you know, how did you do in 2008? And they said, well, I lost 40% or I lost more than 40%. We knew right then and there that they had way too much money in stocks, if not their entire portfolio in stocks, and it wasn't being managed 
properly, obviously. That's that's a key. It wasn't actively managed. It was an, again, that set it and forget it mentality, that set it and forget it portfolio. So the the rule number one, this never lose money, and rule number two, never forget rule number one, is all fine and good, but it's not realistic because if you're going to have a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, cash, and all different types of asset classes, some of those asset classes aren't going to make money in a particular year. Some will. Uh, some will be more successful than others. But I think it's unrealistic to expect to never to lose money in, in investing. Because if, if rule number one, never lose money, that means you're never going to take risk. Which means you're going to be you're going to own CDs. Sorry to take your your thunder away. There, you're going to own government bonds and hold them to maturity, or you're going to own CDs or cash, or you're going to have cash. Well, that I don't know too many investors that can reach their retirement goals uh, just by being in cash or government bonds. Well, and again, when you are invested and you're invested in the stock market, even the bond market. When you look at an unrealized gain and loss report, if you're showing some unrealized losses, those are paper losses. Those are losses that you have not taken. It's just on paper. It's just numbers. But that loss can be will become realized if you decide to sell out. And what happened to a lot of investors in 2008 is they watched the ride all the way down. And then they got to their maximum pain threshold, and what did they do? They sold. And for a lot of investors, after they did that sell and the selling they did, they have yet to get back in. That's why we continue to face the very thin market conditions, the whipsawing of the markets, because there's fewer and fewer participants, because they still have not gotten back in, because they're still licking and and taking care of their wounds from 2008, because they sold out and turned those unrealized losses to realized losses. But if they had a proper allocation... And having their assets actively managed, they wouldn't have suffered as much pain and distress in their portfolio as we have seen doing our portfolio reviews and analysis of prospective clients. So, well, we're going to pause right there. We're going to take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing our investor education and talking about an article titled The Best Investment Advice Ever. And, you know, again, the old Warren Buffett saying, you know, rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. And us just kind of really discussing how that's kind of unrealistic. Uh, Because like Jeff, like you said in the last segment, you're going to run into some type of losses, be it unrealized or realized losses at some point in time in your investing career, unless you're invested in cash, which isn't an investment, CDs, or government bonds. You know, you have to take a certain level of risk. You have to assume a certain level of risk to have the potential for capital appreciation and growth of your assets to meet your retirement goals or for whatever goals that you're saving for. And, Dad, I know that you wanted to, the big dog wanted to eat a little bit and had something to add to, to what 
we were just talking about. Well, I think I originally said this to you when you guys came into the business. Oh, you've been that, saying this f- that, as long that, as that, I can remember. These were basic rules of investing. I, I honestly think this is a little bit of a Will Rogers comment. I, I'm not so sure that Warren Buffett didn't steal this from from, from Will Rogers. He never met a man he didn't like. And and and, and what th- this means, you know, this is you know this will be my 37th year, starting my 38th year of being a portfolio manager, not counting the four years as a broker and one year in graduate school. So you can add all that up, but. When I see this, what this really means to me is never lose big money. Never take big losses because you can't come back from them, whether it's financially or even psychologically. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. You just hit an important point. Psychologically. It's the psychological part part of this. Um, A lot of people get in investing they get in the game as jim kramer calls it it's not a game but they get in the game and they have some moderate success and then they start building their bet they start pushing pushing the chips and as they build their bet they will get to the point where they lose now to be successful the one thing that i have learned in my 37 plus years to be successful in investing you have to invest on a regular basis. You just can't do it once in a while. And if and you need to take a number of positions because as you take positions, your batting average gets better. And to be successful, it isn't participating when the markets go up, as you said. It's not losing as much going down. So I believe my personal success as an investor has come with my ability to sell I think I'm a lot better seller than I am a buyer. And, and and one thing that we say in this office, and this was definitely true in 2008, and of course, you know, this was prior to me joining the family's firm back. Jeff, I know you were here back during the dot com bubble burst, bursting of the of the dot coms. Um, is that when cert, when the markets and times just don't make sense? When what's up is down and what's down is up, when there's times where the market doesn't make sense, it never hurts to get more liquid and lay in the weeds. I know that's an old saying, Dad, that I've heard come out of your mouth for years, way before I even joined the family business, that it's okay sometimes to raise liquidity and lay in the weeds until things get a little clearer. Now, it's important for all investors to understand you're never going to have 100% clarity. The waters are never going to be 100% clear. There's always going to be some level of cloudiness, but in situations like the dot-coms, like 2008, uh, even like how you know how the markets have, have started off in the past couple of years, um, things get a little clouded and get a little bit more whipsawish. And sometimes it's better to just kind of raise some cash and lay back until things start to pan out and make a little bit more sense. Because that's what we've been dealing with is some just counterintuitiveness that we've been experiencing in the market for the past couple of years. You know, and this led me to what we were talking about earlier, rule number one, never lose money. Never forget rule number one is rule number two. Well, if we were in an environment where government bonds was paying 9%, then a lot of people would be attracted to that. And and there and there's been times in my career when you could do that. And so there's a riskless return that would be that would be historically a good return. Unfortunately, that was occurring when 
Inflation was at 12, 13, 14. So you were losing, <laughs> losing to just inflation. like today. Mm-hmm. Just like today if you put too much in bonds versus what each individual person's inflation rate is. But what this really says is what y'all were talking about is that if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket, if you're going to step out there and take that level of risk, then you are potentially putting yourself in a position to lose a substantial amount of your money and not have enough money to get back into the game, whatever game it is you're playing. So, but, but again, but again, we don't look at the market as no, a game. No, it's not a game. It's not a game at all. But if you are, if you're a trader, I would say a trader views the market somewhat as a game. I'd agree. If you're an investor, it's a serious game, and so. Each individual has to decide what type of, is he a trader, am I an investor, or is this trading money, is this investing money? So there's various pools that you could be doing. But one thing that you cannot do is you cannot sustain large losses and be a successful investor or trader. So whatever methods you use to reduce your losses, your risk, your risk, you're going to have to take that. And if you don't determine a system that allows you to do that, you are not going to be successful. In the long term, absolutely. And, and, and see, that's the thing, Dad, is I think for some investors, maybe the traders that view the market as more of a game, more of action, more Vegas style, they have a couple of big wins where they knock it out of the park and that boosts their confidence. That helps them boost their, their maybe their trading and investing ego psychologically. That's when they start pushing over pushing the chips further and further over the line and bigger amounts of chips. Then they strike out. Then they take that loss, and then their the psychological aspect of it might be a loss so bad that they say to heck with the stock market. I'm never getting involved in it again. And what we've always advocated and always tried to teach is about a proper balance, about diversification. As Jeff said, not putting all your eggs in one basket, spreading out that risk, or to use a technical term, spreading out your beta. But you can't just spread it out and forget it. You have to continue to actively manage it, actively monitor it. And if you don't, then you need to work with a firm that's going to do that. I I learned many years ago that I was not a successful trader. Trading was not something that I was good at. I was good at looking at a longer picture. It fit my personality better to be an investor, plus by taking a longer-term view, thinking in terms in the stock market of actually owning the company that I was buying, I found that that was more successful. And I learned that as a broker. I, I, I felt comfortable with that. What I didn't feel comfortable with was potential clients or new clients that had to have action. Because I don't necessarily think Wall Street is the best place to get action. I think you would be better off to go to Vegas because it doesn't require that much thinking if you need action, if you like to bet on football games. with If you need that fix. If you need that. And there are people that need that. But it, Wall Street can be a very dangerous place for people that need that type of fix. I have not run into that many successful people who have traded the market. 
I've run into many successful investors, very few successful traders. Well, and I think some some other points you made just a few minutes ago when we talk about risk capacity, about taking a big hit to your portfolio, and again, for continuing investor education, the older you get, the closer you get to your retirement, I guess, date and time as far as your age, your risk capacity gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, you know, and I've run into people who have have very large risk, you know, very small risk tolerance, their personal aversion to risk, but they have huge risk capacity. And when you run into that situation, it's really they have their money invested very lazily. It's, it's very lazy money. It's very 4 and 5% returns when they should be taking advantage of their age. So the younger you are, the greater risk capacity you have. And so you have to really marry risk tolerance and risk capacity into one. Um, and that's, again, something else that we that we try to teach. So just understand, as you get older, your risk capacity gets smaller, and you have to have your portfolio managed and allocated in a way that reflects that risk capacity. What you see on CNBC, and we don't spend that much time watching any of the other channels, but what we see on CNBC is a parade of traders, Parade of people looking for action, daily action, weekly action, fast money, fast money. You know, everything is geared towards trading. trading. Mm-hmm. That is that segment of the market. That is not a segment that Davidson Capital Management has ever participated in, or would feel comfortable being in. And so, when we sit here and we talk about what we see. We don't necessarily feel that that type of program serves the public to the extent it could. That's right. Well, with that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. So we'll take the break. When we come back, we'll be continuing our investor education, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to cover here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing talking about the best investment advice ever article that comes from Market Watch in the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, Dad, I, as you were talking in the last segment, you know, you mentioned Jim Cramer's name. And I know there's a segment on his show that he loves to do where people call in and say, am I diversified? And they give him five stock names. And he'll either anoint it as being you're diversified or you're not diversified. And when I watch that, I, to me, it seems like it's a disservice to the investing public because what he is basically um, validating is that it's okay to put 20% of your money in one particular stock position, to hold five individual stocks, and as long as those five individual stocks are in five different industry sectors, then you're okay, you're safe. And I think that is some of the most dangerous advice you could possibly give with with his type of background and acumen as a money manager, or as a hedge fund manager, I should say. Well, I, I, I don't agree with it. Dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous if you don't watch your 
eggs real close if you only got five. Uh, <laughs> you're making I you're mean, making big bets in, in on the, five in companies. The, in the beginning, in the beginning when I created uh, the philosophy, uh, it became apparent to me that I didn't ever want more than five percent in anything because I learned very quickly that if I bought five percent uh, of your assets in one individual well, position, yes, if I bought ten positions. 3.5 of them were going to be losers, but I loved all 10. Mm-hmm. And so when I got it out to 20, then I'm going to have six losers in normal markets. Mm-hmm. And the key was having the six losers not be big enough losers to overset the profits that were in the other 14. Well, if I'm Jim Cramer and five is my diversification, I sure hope it's not my six losers because then my every five those whole five positions would be losers. So to me that was not enough positions to be diversified. That was very concentrated. And very. to be that concentrated, I don't want you to think you're diversified. You are not diversified with five positions. I mean, you might you are, be you might be diversified in the sense that you're in five different industry sectors, but you're making a very large bet on one company in that and, industrial sector. And I'll tell sector. you something else. If you limit yourself to that few of positions, you're either going to do extremely well versus the market, or you're going to do extremely badly. You're, you're not going to crash do average. You're either going to do real well or real bad. So it's either a home run or a strikeout. Now, you can't build a business on real bad. Mm-mm. Now, he was successful as a hedge fund manager because he was a trader. He was not an investor. Long term to him could have been one day. So... When you hear him discuss that, I mean, he can't do a show and do Am I Diversified and have someone giving 20 positions. So some of his Am I Diversified is for TV. For, well, it's for TV. He did it first on his radio show. Mm-hmm. That's where it started. He did that on the radio show. You know, he used to do radio and TV. And his radio show was really a whole lot better than the TV show. He didn't do all that screaming and jumping around like he does. And he would just talk, which I found better for investors to listen to. He was more investor-oriented as opposed to trading. So us saying that we believe you ought to have 20 positions gets back to this fact that we don't want more than 5% of any person's assets in one position. And we say that even in your company stock. If you're investing in your company stock, the stock where you work, Three or four hundred one. Yeah, we don't want more than five percent of your retirement money in the company stock, and I don't care how great the stock is, because I happen to have seen times in my life where I worked for companies where people put a lot much, lot more in that, and then the companies went out of business. They not only lost their job, but they lost their retirement. And I, I can tell you that Jeff and I see this doing portfolio doing portfolio reviews a lot with the petroleum industry employees putting a lot of their retirement nest egg through 401ks in their company stock. And it's great to be supportive, and it's great to love where you work and love who your employer is, but you also have to kind of be a little selfish and think about your own retirement needs and your own retirement nest egg and not take too big of a bet because, again, harkens back to Enron. It harkens back to WorldCom. I mean, it harkens back to those employees years ago who lost their nest egg because 
there was a lot of cheerleading from upper level management to buy keep keep funneling as much money in it as possible not saying that any companies in existence today are you know doing some of the fraudulent things that that these companies were doing but you always have to look out for kind of number one i mean you have to look out for number one when you're saving for retirement and you know another thing that i like to teach particularly when it comes to long-term investing and when it comes to performance I always like to use the analogy is you have to look at your investment returns like a batting average, like a batting average for a baseball player. You know, let's use Ted Williams or let's use Tony Gwynn. Uh, you know, rest, may he rest in peace. Let's use him as an example. You know, baseball players can get into the Hall of Fame with having a great lifetime batting average, but throughout their career, throughout the lifetime of them stepping up to the plate, they're going to have years where they underperform where they don't have a good year at the uh, up at the plate and they don't bat very well and they have low numbers. And then they're going to have other years where they have some average years. And then they're going to have some great years where they're knocking the cover off the ball. But what determines whether or not a baseball player gets into the Hall of Fame is their lifetime batting average. And it's a combination of all of those years and how they've performed. It's the same thought process and the same thought pattern you need to have when it comes to investing. You're going to have some below average years. You're going to have some just average years and you're going to have some great years, but the key is is to have more great years than bad and average years to get your portfolio to the Hall of Fame. Well, here's a little commercial coming in here. 25, this is our 26th year, and I was talking about I'm starting my 38th year as a manager. There was 12 years in there before Davidson Capital Management was formed in which I developed our philosophy. And I developed it managing money under three or four different corporate situations where I learned what was working and what wasn't working. And, you know, I learned on other people's money, so to speak. But I learned through those years that 100% equity made no sense. 100% bond made no sense. But the two could work together in combination. But what I found was there wasn't, there were fixed income people and there were stock people. There wasn't both. You didn't see the hybrid. You didn't see the manager that could do both sides. And so as I, as I developed our philosophy, I learned that it made more sense to be 10 years and under. It made more sense to stick with quality because by sticking with quality, you took risk out. By having stocks and bonds, you took risk out. And by doing that, you raised your batting average. You made the hole shallower when you were losing in stocks you were making in bonds. And so in the beginning, oh, yeah, everyone knows the most money you can make is to be 100% in the stock market. And it works really good until 1987 rolls around and it goes down 25% in one day. That doesn't work very well. That wipes out a number of years in about four hours. And you learn, hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And same thing in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful when the dot-coms were going crazy, but it didn't look real good late in 2000, 2001, and two. And, you know, staying the course was really great in January, February, March of 2008. It wasn't very great in November, December 2008. Or, or January, February. there might not be a course to <laughs> stay. Nine. You might not have had enough course to, to have a meal. Well, and, and again, that goes back to what we talked about a few segments ago about the psychological damage. And I know that we've talked on 
past shows here on Money Wise where we've talked about the psychological effects when you take these kind of losses and how, again, it, it creates that emotion and that fear. And when fear and emotion start combining into your portfolio, it keeps you sitting on the sidelines or it keeps you less invested in stocks to to really try to achieve and reach your goal for whatever you're saving for. And we're still seeing that today. I mean, again, we're seeing it today because we see the volatility. If there's more participants, more investors in this market, more mom-and-pop investors, we wouldn't see this extreme levels of volatility that we've been seeing. If we taxed day trading, we wouldn't have this extreme volatility. Or if we taxed high-frequency trading or got high-frequency well, trading under control. That's that's what I'm saying. That would take care of that problem. The problem is is that high-frequency trading is paying the note for the New York Stock Exchange. That's how they're making their money. They are never going to go against that. For something to change in that market it's going to have to come from outside. It's not going to come from within Wall Street. Well, really, what we have to have, Dad, is we have to have a nonprofit exchange. We have to well, have yeah. a nonprofit. You exchange. guys will see that. I'm, I'm convinced. You think Jeff and I will see? A nonprofit I really think exchange you. Will, I really think you in will our career, see that in your lifetime, you will see a national market. I mean, because that will take away the incentive for the high frequency yes. trading. I, I, and it'll be I welcome. It'll be somewhere in the central part of the country, away from Wall Street. I, I welcome that day. I welcome the day to where we see a nonprofit exchange and maybe just a one central exchange. Let me correct him. Jeff may not see it. I think you will see it, Kyle. <laughs> well, we're not that far away in age, so uh, it's only about ten, less than ten, 10 years. years in there. All right. Well, let's take our last commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-275. 2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So going back to this article, there was a couple of other statements, and these actually come from Ben Franklin. And and one of them is, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. And again, one of the reasons why we started this radio show back in late 2005 was because it gave us a podium, it gave us a platform to provide education because there's just uh, there's such a lack of education out there. And it seems like a lot of the education that is available has a particular bent. You know, it's trying to push you in a certain direction as an investor to buy an investment product that's being sold by the uh, financial legacy distribution system you know, as we like to call it, it always seems that education is kind of pushing you one direction or another, and we're trying to provide unbiased education. And as we always say to all investors is that, you know, there are so many tools available online for you to educate yourself. You know, when a, a pitch sounds too good to be true, it, it most likely is, and there's a lot of vehicles out there to help you to educate yourself. And so as Benjamin Franklin says, an investment in knowledge pays the most interest. You really have to 
you have to really let that kind of soak into you and utilize the tools available. You know, if you want to look up the broker that you're working with, go to brokercheck.com. You know, someone's pitching you an investment product. Before you sign on the line and which is dotted, look it up. Do some research. Educate yourself. You know, as we say, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old or a 10-year-old in two or three minutes and get them to understand it, then you're probably, it's not a good idea to buy. Um, another statement is beware of expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. And, boy, how many times have we seen that, Jeff? You know, expenses is one thing that is easiest to control if you understand that you're getting charged more more fees than than you think you are to begin with. And I see this a lot with we see this a lot with annuities. Um annuities I think are probably one of the biggest drains. challenges. I would say drains on, know, on assets. The biggest challenges to a portfolio being successful is is owning an annuity inside that portfolio. Because you're you're basically guaranteeing that you will never even equal a market average performance because the fees and expenses built into the 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 annuity itself, even if it has the best possible investment options, and trust me, the average annuity does not have the best the best uh, investment choices possible. When you add up Average investment choices with high expenses, you're guaranteed to be below average consistently year after year after year after year. And they're still sold. They're they're still successfully selling them to investors every single day. And we've in the ten years that we've done this show, we've almost made this our personal uh, mission. Mission. There you go. <laughs> it's a personal mission. To, to, Crusade. To, yeah, I like that. To Crusade. steer people away from these types of investments. Now, there's also many other violators. You know, aver- uh, uh, the the average loaded mutual fund carries uh, an initial sales charge that's equal to multiple years of professional full time investment management just to buy into the mutual fund itself. They, you know, a minimum, you know, anywhere from 2 to 3% to as almost as much as 6% uh, is very common in an upfront sales charge. Another thing is buying stocks. You know, just buying stocks through a full-service broker. And you're, you're, the average ticket price that I see from, an, from a full-service broker is about 2% of the gross purchase. And that is outrageous. So you know, for five thousand dollar purchase, you're paying two hundred and fifty dollars in transaction costs. I mean, that's 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 a that's twenty it's times egregious. more. That's twenty times more you'd pay at a at a, at a discount brokerage firm. Yes, well, you better well, be getting good advice if well, you're paying that kind of fee. Well, well, now, if that broker is giving you good advice and covers the two percent, that's one thing. But you and I both know. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them do not. Well, the one thing, again, talking about fees and and what I I like to to do for any individual investor out there is to understand the two big types of fees. You have your hard dollar fees 
and your soft dollar fees. Your hard dollar fees are your upfront commissions. You know, those are the commissions that you see when you buy that mutual fund or you buy that stock and you pay that commission and you see it come right off the right off the top. You see that difference in what you're investing and what you actually paid and what was actually invested. That's a hard dollar cost. But where annuities, where non-traded real estate investment trusts, uh, where even mutual funds, once you get past that initial sales fee, really get their investors or get their clients is on the soft dollar side. Those are the fees that are accrued daily and taken out daily that you never see. When you get your statement from your from your annuity, that's net of those soft dollar fees. When you get a statement about your stocks or your individual mutual funds, it's net of those soft dollar fees. Those are the fees that you don't see. Those are the fees that you also need to be asking about. And if you're sitting down and someone's pitching you an annuity and you ask them, well, what are the soft dollar charges? They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to know what to do, and they're going to start trying to provide you with the half-truths of what you're actually well, they're, they're going to focus on these guaranteed returns. The G word. Yeah, the, yeah they're going to focus on the G word. Which, again, is not a guarantee. It's just a promise, and it's only as good as the company providing the promise. They're going to say, don't you want 5% a year guaranteed income for the rest of your life? Don't you want that, Mr. or Mrs. Customer? And it's not quite that simple. Nope. And what they're talking about is the published interest rate, which changes monthly. It's just that hook to get you to sign on that line, and which is dotted to get you into that long surrender charge penalty period so they can lock your assets up. So you have to understand the difference between hard dollar costs and soft dollar costs. And soft dollar costs are in the prospectus. Soft dollar costs are in the information, but you have to know what you're looking for, and you have to dig deeper, as we've always said from day one on this program. And to really summarize this hour is you have to dig deeper well, and use the tools available to educate yourself before yeah, number, you make that number investment Number one, decision. be diversified. Number two, know what you own. Do the research. Dig deeper, as you say. And number three, have a, always have a mind on what it's costing. That's right. Okay, and with that, we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you could reach us at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.